You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. The co-chair of the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa and Pick and Pay Chairman Gareth Ackman speaking at the Virtual Consumer Goods Council Summit today said that the COVID-19 pandemic has further emphasised the importance of closer collaboration between government and the business sector to help grow the economy. It also highlighted the crucial role of the consumer goods sector in ensuring that people had access to basic goods and food security during the various stages of lockdown. As we know, it was a declared an essential service. Gareth, well Welcome. Uh, firstly, what did you make of the President's economic recovery plan? Well, thank you very much for having me, and I think um, it's a quite an auspicious day to be on your, your, your program. I think that the President's recovery plan is a really good plan. I think the real issue is how is it going to be implemented, what are the governments going to be doing. Um, I haven't yet had a chance to read it in detail, but I've been watching the stuff that's gone through Nedlack and some of the things over the last couple of days. But if you look at where government is, government is good at setting policy and making sure that the various parts of government do what they're supposed to do in terms of setting the infrastructure and getting the basics in place. But government should be doing what government's good at and let business do what business is good at. And I think that's something that the, the, the current government needs to understand and needs to implement. And I think we can open the economy up so much better if they actually allowed business to get on and do things. And I could give you some examples. Please do. That, that specifically relate uh, to the consumer goods sector. Well, I think we just look at the, what's been going on in the, under COVID and with all these the money that's been put out to help people who've got a lot less. And we look at the at pick and pay with the Feed the Nation Foundation that we set up. And we've been able to deliver about 20 million meals. A lot of people have given us money. A lot of people have made big donations. But the cost of a hamper that we send out is approximately half the cost of it being done through one of the NGOs or through the government system. And the reason for that is absolutely because of the fact that we've got the logistics, we've got the infrastructure. And if you go back a number of years, there's always been this issue around um, government not being able to get school books, for example, mm. to remote area schools. If you look at the consumer goods industry, be it, be it the liquor, the cold drinks, the supermarkets, the, the bakeries, we get goods to virtually every corner of South Africa, every remote village, all the time and almost on a daily basis. And the logistic systems within this country are so good, there's no need to constantly reinvent and rebuild what is already there. I understand the issue from government is around how do you build small business and how do you um, empower people to do things. But you need to empower people to actually do the job, not to just be middlemen. And I think a lot of the government's mm. um, processes have been all about creating these middlemen which just add cost and we've seen in many cases corruption to the whole system. And Gareth, one of the details in, inside the document, uh, and there really is not too much that's new in this, uh, the, the President did stress that it is now about execution, to your earlier point, but the President said that uh, he would like to reindustrialize through promoting localization. But my concern is you can't force businesses to uh, procure locally by stealth. Uh, we've got to reduce the cost of doing business in the country so that local production is then competitive with imported goods, and then that will happen anyway. Otherwise, we're just going to be increasing the cost base. 
that's absolutely the point, and I think that's what we agree with. And the consumer goods industry actually can do it. If we look in our, for example, in the food industry in South Africa, most of the food that we sell in our stores is locally produced, locally manufactured, um, and we can do it, and we can do it effectively. The problem has been that there are too many policy framework issues that are put in place which limit the growth of business, which are limiting the, the ability of business to deliver things very cost-effectively. And on top of that, you get various um, issues. And I'll give you a very simple example. I think we've lost most of our clothing and textile industry in South Africa. If we just re-looked at the way we paid the people in the clothing and the textile industry, where people got a basic and you got a product productivity bonuses on top of it, I think we would still have a clothing industry in this country. And if we look at doing things in different ways, I think we've got a chance. And I, the, what we really would appeal to is to look at get labor and business and government to look at doing things in a different way. For us, and if you look under the COVID um, crisis that we've had, this has become a real opportunity to look at things and to do things differently in South Africa. Um, I look at our quick and pay business. I'm sitting in my office here at my home, and I've been pretty much locked down here for the last almost seven months. And quick and pay is still running well. We have basically got five to ten percent of our people in the office, and we've re-looked really at the way we run our business. There's a lot of stuff we stopped, and which we are not going to start again. And I think that's what South Africa needs: is to not go back to the old normal. Let's go to what the new normal looks like, and I think everybody needs to embrace it. No. Of course, we're not going to get that economic growth. Gareth, a big part of that is rebuilding uh, trust that has been shattered pre-COVID because of uh, a decade of wanton corruption and, and mismanagement. To a large extent, uh, that trust deficit uh, uh, will be rectified once we see uh, people brought to book and people in orange overalls uh, and, and all of that kind of thing. We are seeing the MPA moving. You did say, though, back in August that the liquor ban in particular had bred cynicism and, and division. To what extent has the continued declaration of a state of disaster when we, for example, yesterday we had 10 deaths uh, from COVID-19, people are scratching their heads around why we need a continued state of disaster when 10 people are dying from COVID-19. Our information is changing. This seems to, in my mind, only reinforce this trust deficit inside government. We ended up, I think, in COVID with when they started and the president stood up and gave a very inspiring speech and he created the high ground for himself. And I think as we got into it, the politicians got too involved in trying to be, and the thing became politicized, as opposed to sticking to a direct policy. And we saw all sorts of comments about different factions within the ruling party, and what have you. But all of which damaged the credibility of government. And I think government needs to find ways of doing this, making sure that they're on the high ground. One of the things I picked up from the president's speech at the end of it when I, when I was listening this afternoon well, he said that the government will not get involved in the law enforcement processes. And I think that is absolutely the right thing. We've got to trap the nine institutions and they must just continue and do their jobs, hopefully a lot faster than they've been doing it, but they must just do it. And we look at and today at COVID. 
Yes, we've got very few people, but I'm very concerned that it is going to come back. We're seeing spikes happening around the country. You know, I live in Cape Town. There's been a whole lot of talk about and a whole lot of kids went to a nightclub and they've all got COVID now. Um, and they're about to hit my trick. And yeah, you know, I think we're going to see spikes. Mm. We're going to, it's going to come back. And you look what's happening in Europe at the, as we speak, where they're increasing lockdowns in Paris and in London today. Um, the big issue is not going to be about whether you sell liquor on a weekend in a supermarket or not and allow it to happen in a nightclub. The issue has got to be to keep people safe, keep people aware of what's going on and help the community to look after itself. These, a lot of these um, economic restrictions I don't think are necessary any longer. Yeah, I think uh, David Nabarro, who is um, the foremost advisor to the World Health Organization, was quoted over the weekend uh, in an interview on Spectator TV saying that lockdowns just do not work. We need a toolbox, sure. We need to ensure that there's physical distancing and non-pharmaceutical interventions. But lockdowns uh, have actually caused more damage than they've uh, sought to prevent. Just uh, one last comment, uh, Gareth, on the the issue of behavioural change thanks to COVID-19. The one thing we've seen is consumers who may have been reluctant to go online to do their shopping uh, were forced to do so. And uh, what we're seeing now is uh, a real ramp up in online. I'm not sure how many people would actually be aware that Pick and Pay's online shopping service is actually the oldest in the country. It was launched in 2001. Some, though, say that Checkers and ShopRite, with its 6060 app, to really roll out to 100 stores, is quickly stealing a march on you. Uh, would you agree with that? Would you feel that maybe you've taken the eye off the online ball a little bit? What do you expect me to say? Of course they haven't stolen a march. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, as you say, since 2001 in it. We've got, as Pick and Pay now, we've got three ways to go online, um, which is the normal traditional online shopping where you go in and you order it and it gets delivered. Our second one is the click and collect. And the third one is on-demand shopping, which is very limited number of products and services which gets delivered at the end of uh, it gets delivered within an hour or so and we've got one which we do through, uh, with bottles and um, very successful so we've got all three and we offer the full suite to the customers so no I don't think we've fallen behind at all maybe they've stolen a bit of a march of us in the marketing but we're very strong and we're there and I think we are still the largest online grocery retailer in South Africa but um, I'm just and what my people tell me, I haven't got the facts in front of me. <laughs> Gareth, uh, I, I had to. It's like a red rag to a bull. Uh, but uh, great chatting, <laughs> great chatting to you. And uh, we do hope that the president is indeed uh, sincere and ruthless uh, when it comes to execution, as he did uh, reference in his speech. It is now no longer about talking about plans, but about executing to see the country turn around. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me and good luck. That was Gareth Ackerman, uh, the uh, board co-chairperson of the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa and chairman of Pick and Pay, uh, with his thoughts on the president's uh, address earlier today and uh, and also the impacts of COVID-19 on uh, retail. A fascinating sector and uh, one that no doubt is going to be able to create many more jobs if government uh, does the right thing.